This is a podcast from Rover. We are at Mystery Creek Field Days 2022 in the rain. Uh, KPMG uh, Head of Agribusiness, uh, Ian Proudfoot, joins us now. Nice to actually meet you in person, Ian. How are you? Oh, nice to meet you. I think we've talked for a number of years on the phone. Absolutely. Um, okay, let's. you've released um, a document at Field Days, a sort of an outlook for the, for the future of New Zealand agriculture. It's Chapter 2, though, so take us back familiarise us with chapter one what did that say when was that released so chapter one was released on the 15th of june which should have been the day we were joined coming down here for field days but um so that was based on our normal process we go through and we talk to industry leaders and we identified six key priorities so reconnecting with our customers um looking into the future of work accelerating towards decarbonization collaborating effectively um thinking about a, a holistic New Zealand food system and um, the final one was investing in the future. So what we've done with chapter two is we've gone and taken those six key themes that came out of the first agenda and talked to companies and talked to some companies over the the last two years that have shown some growth and shown resilience and um, been successful and we feature those case studies in the agenda. Interesting. So you've used them, yeah, as, as you've said, Kate, they're, they're effectively case studies. What, what are the interesting things that's come out of that? I mean, there's a lot to unpack there when you, when you have a look at those six different things, and uh, they're all probably worthy of, um, you know, deeper discussion. But um, in terms of some of the key things that you've learned using those six points and the case studies, what, what, what are some of the, the major themes that you've taken away? Uh, across the case studies, the absolute number one thing that came out was these companies are being successful because they're working with other organizations and they're collaborating not just in you know passing sort of transactional way but in a really deep substantive way so they're having you know a lot of investment of time up front around purpose and values they're they're being very clear and saying no to organizations that maybe it's not the right time to work with um but more, more importantly they're, they're doing the risky things together rather than probably what we've been historically done when you collaborate you do something that's low risk and maybe saves you a few cents but they're trying to work out not how you know two plus two equals 3.9 they're trying to get to um, two plus two equals 10 or even two plus two equals 4.1 if that's the point one that accelerates them forward what sort of businesses are we talking about when it comes to the case study? Uh, are we talking agri-tech? Are we talking the banking sector, technology? What are we talking So right across the industry. So we talk to a company like AgriSea that are doing some really smart stuff in terms of seaweed. Um, we had Aripa, which is you know the, the nutritional brain drink. Yeah. Um, we had Meet the Need. Um, as a, I think a really good initiative of the sectors launched in the, the food security space. So, you know, really diverse organisations as well as Ag Research um, and, you know, some of the bigger companies, T&G Global. So, you know, the, the beautiful thing was each of the organisations really had a vision of where they are trying to get to in 2035 and, you know, are taking actions now to put that in place. There is a changing landscape, as you know, as everybody knows. Uh, navigating that, obviously, you've identified collaboration as, as a key, taking those risks in collaboration at times with other people, being judicious about who you collaborate with. Um, you know, when we look at this, 
some of that stuff can be quite scary to people I'm sure you'll appreciate yeah definitely and I think you know that's one of the things like if you're going to take some risks together you've got to have alignment on purpose and values because there's just no point doing it if you haven't so for me I think you know one, one of the things that comes out is the, the younger people we talk to are better at this than maybe some of our more senior mature leaders that were probably the people in the tent and um, when we did the launch you know they they have learned it from a school system if you're going to get grades you've got to rely on somebody else to do it because you do everything in projects you know we came from a school system where we got grades by passing exams and that was entirely down to us so i think we have this generation of leaders coming into the sector which um are inherently collaborative and they're going to take us forward so much faster the you know that comes back therefore to the point we made about the future of work because the jobs that those people want to do are not the jobs that people have done in the past so we've got to be leaning into you know jobs that are not about the manual work we've got to work out how to mechanize that and do that as quickly as possible they're jobs that are about enabling people to use their broader skills and really connect with a purpose yeah, when you look around here, that is apparent that uh, the technology, even just year to year, has uh, gone leaps and bounds, hasn't it, really? Yeah, and I think, you know, we haven't had the chance to get to the innovation tent yet, but that will be somewhere off to later this afternoon. But um, the reality is, I think, you know, we need the digital native workforce in the sector. Uh, you know, if you think about it, we, we talk about the need for intergenerational investment. In the past, that was about doing pasture better and doing seeds better and doing genetics better. Actually, intergenerational investment for us into the future is about how we build deeper, long-standing client relationships. It's about how we manage the regulatory environment so we can do things faster, you know, take advantage of our oceans. All those sort of things uh, have got to be... We need different skills and we need people that are passionate to do that work. So I, I'm, a, I'm excited about the opportunity in front of us. Yeah, do you think that that excitement is shared by, um, let's not say industry, but just sector as a... As a, as a whole I think you know we talk about the the volatility of the world we live in today and you know um, I was having a conversation with some of our team and they, they described it as Ian's writing about the end of the world again yeah, yeah. and That's kind of what I'm getting at yeah. yeah and and there is this sort of end of the world narrative in the background at the moment you know society is definitely fragmenting That's very clear the economics is looking really hard um, and you know there's a lot of uncertainty around some of the regulation all those are valid concerns but for me, I think the key that we've got to get out to people is that actually volatility, change, there's two sides to it. There's risk if you don't respond to it. There's opportunity if you do lean into it. And, you know, I've, I think we can tell a great story about how we capture the opportunity through the case, sort of case studies that we have in the agenda. But we need to get those stories wider and we need to get people comfortable that change while hard is ultimately in their best interests and you know that that's a cultural issue as well so that that needs everybody in the industry to be working together on that yeah because the danger in something like that um and it's not just for it's, it's across the board is that um, you end up preaching to the converted to a large degree don't you and you get into that situation where it's like well the people that are going to read it or take note of it were probably already going to anyway it's it's the others that you can maybe you know uh, pique the interest of I suppose isn't it yeah and that's that's you know it's the, there's a the 20% of early adopters you know what we're interested in probably is is the 60% that sits in the middle yeah. but you know can change 
but they want to understand the economics of it. You know, they want to get clear. So climate change is a great example of that. You know, there's a huge amount of concern about um, hey, Wakarekanoa and what that's going to mean. You know, I look at climate change and for me, the, the food and fibre sector has this massive opportunity as a biological sector to go further, faster than any other sector of our economy. And that means we, we cannot just do, you know, produce our products and put a zero carbon story on it. We can provide ecosystem services to the rest of society. So there is a transformational opportunity for new revenue in the sector. So looking at how we get towards a zero carbon future faster just makes economic sense, let alone anything else. Well, it certainly got you excited, I can tell, which is great. Um, how can people uh, find um, all the case studies and, uh, and, and the two chapters of uh, the report that you've taken uh, on in the last six months? So both chapters are on KPMG's website, kpmg.co.nz. They're, just click on them, they're downloadable, there's no constraints, you don't need to put any details in, we just want people to read them. Ian Proudfoot, nice to catch up with you. Thanks for your time. Excellent. Thanks very much, Tom.